do the hard thing. And I don't know what your hard thing is, but lean into it. Life is too short. It's the longest, shortest time. And if the last year hasn't shown us that, I don't know what will. Stop leaving yourself behind and show up. And sometimes that is the hardest thing ever to do. But you're worth it. Hello, hello, Emily Abadi here, and I am, oh man, elated, emotional, excited, amped, all of the adjectives. You are listening to the season five premiere, episode 146 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where you sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about their big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect a vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. The vibe right now is lit. Okay, as I hear myself say that out loud, it sounds kind of ridiculous. I'm not sure if that phrase should be in my vernacular, but really I cannot shout it from the rooftops enough just how happy I am that we are at this point. I mean, what's coming down the pipe for Hurdle, the fact that we're here in season five. This week we celebrated a huge, huge milestone, three million downloads. When I try to think about like three million people listening to my voice at any time, I'm just like, yeah, but there are no words for that. Anyway, big week for Hurdle. I feel blessed and I I feel extra blessed because Alex L., author, host of the Hey Girl podcast, is on the show today. I can almost guarantee that you have liked one of Alex's posts on Instagram, and that's because this woman speaks the truth. After reading her latest book, After the Rain, it came out in December, I finally put on my big girl pants and was like, I need to do everything possible to get some of this woman's time and bring her story to the show. And so I was so like elated as an understatement to just have this conversation with her and that she said yes and just just so humbled by all of it. Especially because in today's episode, we talk about how selective she can be with her time these days, strategic, let's say that, and how many of us suffer from just like over committing all of the time. We also talk about her upbringing and how a tough childhood encouraged her to pave her own way and believe in herself. We rap about how both therapy and writing literally saved her life and the crazy story about how she met her husband and their fertility struggles. And we also talk about the importance of coming into your own power, setting smart boundaries without feeling guilt or shame. I mean, this episode is loaded. You know that before we get into today's conversation, I have some fabulous offers to bring you from the Hurdle sponsors. And a note on sponsors, especially on the brink of a new season, they're so integral to this whole process. They really help make the show possible. And I pledge as the episodes go on that I will only bring you products that I myself use regularly. And I know that you're going to love them because I love them and they make my day-to-day better. Starting off this week with Athletic Greens. 
let me tell you. I took my first business trip in over a year up to Boston at the end of last week. Oh, it felt so nice, a little more normal, quote unquote normal. Is normal a thing anymore? I'm not sure. The first thing on my don't forget to pack this list, athletic greens. And that's because I know that no matter how chaotic my day gets, what's going on, if I start things off first thing in the morning with shaking up my athletic greens powder with 12 ounces of cold water in a shaker bottle, that I am doing something right, that I'm taking a step in the right direction to feel my best. Athletic Greens has the antioxidant equivalent of 12 servings of fruits and vegetables. It's also got prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods. To me, it is an absolute no-brainer. One nutritional scoop that gives me so much goodness. They have got an awesome offer for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash Hurdle and with your first purchase, get a year's supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs, perhaps for your next business trip. Again, head on over to athleticgreens.com hurdle and get a free year's supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs with your first purchase. No code necessary. I also want to take a moment to thank my sponsor at Beam. Beam is a Boston-based CBD company making waves in the wellness scene. Now, they've got a ton of great products ranging from their The One Tincture and Focus Capsules. I use those very regularly to their Dream Blend. And the Dream Blend is actually what I want to wrap about for just a second here. It tastes like a cinnamon hot chocolate. It is the most delightful, delectable way for me to cap off my day. And it helps your body and mind wind down for a deeper night's sleep. And that is thanks to the relaxing compounds and ingredients in it, like melatonin, magnesium, L-theanine, and of course their nano CBD powder. I make mine, this is my Goldilocks recipe here. Listen up. A cup of hot water, some frothed almond milk, a scoop of Dream, a scoop of Vital Proteins Collagen, and I am good to go. <laughs> Head on over to beamtlc.com and use the code HURDLE at checkout today to get 15% off your purchase. Again, head on over to beamtlc.com. That's B-E-A-M-T-L-C.com. And use the code HURDLE at checkout for 15% off. Lastly, before we get into it today, I have a big announcement. What would the launch of the new season be without a little celebration? Am I right? So giveaways on giveaways on giveaways on Instagram this week. I'm talking a Hypervolt Pro, Lululemon gift cards, Athletic Greens, Vital Proteins, a Power.Uno, Beam gift packs, like good stuff. So this is important. Make sure you're following the show over at Hurdle Podcast and me over at Emily Abadi for more info. Whether you are new here, whether you are a veteran hurdler, thank you so much for being a part of this community. Again, it just means the world and you are so welcome here. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Alex L. She is an author. Her newest book, After the Rain, came out at the end of the last year. She's also the host of the Hey Girl podcast. What's up, Alex? Hey, nothing much. I am uh, hanging in there. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am doing well. You took my first question away from me. I feel as though I really wanted 
to start this episode off with like a real how are you moment. So how are you? Today I'm good. Um, it's been a busy day of calls back to back. Um, kids ripping and running all over. <laughs> but overall, overall, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm having a good day. Ripping and running. So mother of three. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. How's momming these days? You know, with our oldest, uh, it's fine. Uh, she's 13. But with the babies, they are just big balls of energy. And we can't get out the energy fast enough, you know, especially because it's cold and all there, you know, it's COVID and everything else in between. So it is interesting, but we are doing our best with what we have and giving ourselves grace, me and my husband through the process. And you're outside of Washington, D.C.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, freezing you're here. feeling that you're feeling that cold. <laughs> like I'm feeling that cold up in New York. Yes. Oh my goodness. Right now it's literally brutal. I would love if we could, now that we've done our, how are we really check in, if we could kick off today by giving the audience a little bit of insight into who you are. So I said an author, I said a podcast host, when you talk about what you do to someone for the first time, what do you tell them? So if we're talking professional introductions, which I've had to do a couple of today, I normally say I'm an author and a self-care facilitator who is passionate about bringing people closer to their voice by way of writing practice. I use writing practice to help folks lean into their self-care practice. So I was, you know, thinking like, what could I call that? Um, I want to help people facilitate self-care in their lives um, by way of writing, because that's how I stumbled across it and writing really did save my life. So like getting back to the basics with self-care and starting with the pen and the page to really kind of get to know ourselves better. Talk to me about growing up. Talk to me about life before you found writing. So I was a pretty sad kid, lost teen, um, depressed, anxious, suicidal. I had a lot of trauma growing up and when I turned 19, I decided that it was time to go get help on my own terms. And I met this amazing woman and she changed my life. And I've always been a writer. I've always written in some way, shape or form because that was my outlet. And being an only child, storytelling and poetry was really how I found comfort and a little less loneliness. But it wasn't until I started writing to heal in therapy um, that I was able to explore what it meant to really, as a 31-year-old woman now, I have this language, but back then I didn't, um, really be able to stand in my power and be my own inner expert and to heal myself through sharing my story on the page and getting curious about what was coming up in front of me. And my therapist did such an amazing job encouraging me to trust myself and to realize that I had my answers and that she was just there to help me guide, help guide me through those answers, not to give me my answers. So it was a really empowering 
therapeutic experience. Um, and I got lucky with her and writing has been my healer since. When you say you got lucky with her, what do you mean by that? I mean that a lot of times therapy can feel like you're dating. Um, I know that in my adult life, um, I have gone through many a therapist just because, Mm -hmm. you know, they weren't a good match. But having this woman be my first um, experience with therapy in this way um, and having her be so kind and warm and understanding and um, encouraging was something I had never experienced before, especially from an adult figure. um, And it was really life-changing how I looked at myself and how I looked at how I showed up in the world. Mm. And when you said you met a woman at 19, this is a woman different than your therapist? No, that, that is my therapist. That is the therapist. That okay, is my got therapist. Miss B is what I call her. What, what led you away from Miss B? So she moved. And mm. I will never forget the dread <laughs> I felt when she told me she was moving. And I cried. And I remember her saying, hey, look at me. You can do this. You are doing this. And I will give you some referrals. And I trust that you know what your next step could be. So she really gave me my power. She really gave me permission, rather, to explore what it meant to be autonomous and have a choice and to heal in a way that was um, messy, but also liberating. And we kept in touch a little, maybe the first few months of her being gone. And then, you know, we just grew apart. But I will never, and she may not remember me, but I will never forget the impact that she's had on my life. And she was just wonderful. I feel as though there are probably a lot of individuals, I know so actually, that feel that way about you without having met you because of the words that you put into the world. I'm, I'm curious, how does that feel for you? It feels like a mirror in a really good way. Um, because the goal as a writer, no matter the scale of your profession or your work or whatever, is to touch one heart and is to also show people through the written word that they are not alone. So to be able to do that with my stories with my experience, with my healing, it means so much more than I can ever start to put into words. And when I feel maybe some self-doubt creeping in or some imposter syndrome creeping in or some, oh, I'm not good enough creeping in, I'm often reminded that my worth is so much deeper than what I may think it is. And that's why it's so important that we lean on community and 
if folks feel like they can resonate with me and my story and my work in a way that feels supportive and comforting, I am always going to be honored by that. And I, I hope that people feel that way. I think that is definitely a, an intention of mine for folks to resonate and know that they aren't alone in whatever they're walking through. I would love if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about it to understand a little bit more of perhaps what you went through before meeting your therapist at 19 because of what you're saying here, which is our mutual hope really to uh, help others feel less alone in what they're going through. So I grew up in a really tumultuous, abusive home. And um, I'm actually back in therapy now with an awesome woman um, unpacking my trauma, which is intense, especially all these years later. Mm. And I was also a mom. I became a mom at 18. And I knew that I wanted to be a different woman and person and human being for my then one daughter. I have three daughters now. And um, it had to start with me. But I was so broken, I didn't even know how to begin. And that's why I went to Miss B, because I wanted to know how to begin and how to heal myself and how to do things differently and how to break generational curses and cycles. And I didn't have that language at 18. But looking back, that's exactly what I was doing and what I intended to do. Uh, But the only language I had around that was like, I want to change. I want to be different. And there was a breaking point when I was feeling really suicidal and I, I um, wanted to kill myself. And I was thinking of ways um, to do it. And I was a mom and I was in, I'm sure, postpartum depression um, and also on top of all the trauma and, uh, and abuse and hardship that I had walked through earlier in my life, everything had just come to a head. So my choice to go to therapy was to not only save my life, but to enrich my life. Mm. And it was kind of this rock bottom thing, which now I don't think people should go to therapy just because they're at their rock bottom. I'm huge for mental health maintenance is what I call my therapy sessions uh, with my therapist now. But then I just really needed it. I just really needed a neutral party to hear me and not judge me. Was it hard for you at first to open up to someone who was at the time a complete stranger? No, it was much easier. And I think it was easier because I felt I didn't feel safe with the adults and with the people in my life who I knew. So I figured this person, this licensed professional um, who had just a really kind energy about her as well. She was Southern and I don't know, she was just warm, like she just felt like a hug. And I felt safe. And I think trusting my intuition started to kick in then too. Like, how do you read the room? How do you read the energy? How are you feeling in your body? Do you feel safe? Especially as someone who disassociated from a lot of things and spent so much time outside of my body 
right? So it just like all this relearning and unlearning had to happen from age 19 to now 31. And I'm still unlearning and relearning, right? So it's this cycle of healing that isn't supposed to stop. You know, we don't reach these arrival points, but we do learn from the things that we are healing from. And sometimes it's easier than others. Can you recall a moment uh, probably or perhaps soon after you started going to therapy that you realized that it was all going to be okay? No. I think for a long time, I thought it wasn't going to be okay even after therapy. Mm. I started feeling like it was going to be okay when I decided that trauma did not have to be my resting place. And I don't think that happened until I was around 23. So it had been a while. It's so interesting, that idea that trauma doesn't have to be our resting place, especially coming off of a year where that certainly felt <laughs> like the commonplace for so, so many of us. I mean, I do want to get back to, to where we're going with your story, but I also feel like now is a good time to interject this question that I have for you. I listened to a recent episode uh, that you recorded with Amber Ray, and you asked her how it is that she takes care of herself so that she can offer care to others. Like this year specifically, how have you, someone that, man, people like really turned to this year, how have you showed up for yourself so that you can take care of others? You know, it's, it's challenging. Self-care for me has been getting back to the basics. Um, my two youngest daughters are 20 months apart. <laughs> so when Maximus was born, she shook up our whole world. And Isla was only 20 months old. And it was interesting how my self-care ritual had changed. I went from two kids who were 10 years apart to three kids with all these different age gaps. And then the last two were close together. So I'm just like, what am I going to do? And I started making rituals out of, this might sound silly, but maybe other caretakers and parents listening will be able to resonate out of like just brushing my teeth, washing mm -hmm. my face, locking the bathroom door and taking a long shower and knowing that my <laughs> husband got it with the kids. He's, he got it. I can, I have, I can have this moment. I love the, the locking of the door. No, oh, you have to. Not, the door is not just closed. It is locked. <laughs> it is locked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because we have a house where, you know, kids just come and go and it's like, okay, <laughs> if the door is not locked, that means, you know, I can come in. Um, but Initially, I mean, just essentially, it was just getting back to the basics um, and making my coffee and like creating ritual out of that and making or making my tea and having it be like this moment of meditation. And I know that that may sound like so woo woo, but we have to remember that a lot of times we breeze through those things. We're not present in those moments of teeth brushing or face washing or getting the coffee, you know, or getting the tea or making the meal. We're, we're just kind of autopilot. And I had to recommit to myself 
that I was worthy of slow, easeful, mindful moments, even with three kids, even with a husband, even with a busy schedule, even with deadlines, I can pause. I can reset and I can have ease. And in those moments is where I found true self-care. It's when I, it's where I found those fill me up moments so that when I show up and I'm teaching, when I show up and I'm writing these books, when I show up and I have meetings and Zoom calls and homeschooling and everything else in between, I can be fully present. It does no one any justice if we show up and we're empty. So I look at self-care too as not only getting back to basics, but self-care as an act of community care, of community service. It is all cyclical. It all goes together. Um, And as a caretaker, as a mother, I have to show up full. I want, not, not that I have to, but I want to. I want to show up full for my kids. And I know on the days when I'm not full. So mindfulness and giving myself that gift of slowing down has been my act of acts of self-care taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about blue blocks over the past year i like many of you have been working so much later than ever before I guess just because of the pandemic and feeling like it's just, it's easier to work for hours, especially when I'm staring at my desk, spending day in and day out in my apartment. And I began to experience headaches regularly and my eyes were just hurting. It wasn't long with these symptoms until I figured out that these long hours and all the screen time were definitely messing with me. And now I know that the blue light that our devices emit, it damages our eyes and leads to digital eye strain. So if you are experiencing any of these things, blurred vision, headaches, dry, watery eyes, you could be suffering from the same. Blue Blocks was created to fix this problem and block out the blue light with high quality lenses. Unlike other types of blue light glasses, Blue Blocks are evidence-backed and made under optimal laboratory conditions in Australia. I have been consciously testing Blue Blocks products since November, making sure that I can truly sit here and tell you that I feel better when I am wearing my Blue Blocks glasses regularly. They have loads of super cute styles, prescription, non-prescription, and readers. They've got whatever you're after. Head on over to blueblocks.com slash hurdle. That is blueblocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com slash hurdle and get 15% off your purchase today using the code hurdle at checkout. Blueblocks.com slash hurdle. Use hurdle at checkout for 15% off. I think often people feel as though those small things aren't quote unquote enough. You know, they worry about what they might see someone else doing on social media or something. And they think, well, if that person's version of self-care is some crazy indulgent X or Y, and mine is like mindfully making my coffee, 
than like, is my self-care not good enough? Self-care, not other people care at the forefront, right? That's what I have to remind myself of. Self-care has to focus on the self. I also want to tell you that I remember uh, the first time I heard your podcast, I think it was in August of 2018, and something that rocked my world and what hooked me into your world for kind of forever from that point forward (laughs) was uh, you asked a question and now knowing a little bit more about your backstory, it really like hits home here. And you, you said something along the lines of how are you going to implement your self-care or self-love tools when you're feeling like you don't want to live anymore? And Mm -hmm. how are you going to move forward with that? Because the intention should, should always be to, to manifest new ways to heal stuff that hurts Mm. because Mm -hmm. stuff is always going to hurt. And Mm -hmm. I found that so interesting because it really is about not only understanding what works for you, but then having some grace with yourself as you figure out the best ways to implement that in a life that is constantly varied and ever changing. Correct. Blew my mind, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Blew my mind. The woman that is now a few years in to her 20s, raising a toddler, going about life. Talk to me about what the journey looked like for you then. It looks like, okay, you've got to get your shit together. Pardon my French. (laughs) I'll Um, allow it. I'll allow it. (laughs) And it looked like just staying committed to doing things differently. I talk about this in depth um, in my new book, After the Rain, in the first chapter actually called Change. And I talk about um, the different jobs I had. I talked about everything in between that and how I had to decide what was truly important and what truly mattered. And how taking this leap of faith into being a writer um, was not easy, but it was so much more rewarding than staying in a toxic work environment, missing out on my kids' um, milestones in school and things, doing this commute from Montgomery County, Maryland to DC every day. And, um, it was interesting reading, like when I was writing that chapter, like how I had to go back all those years and really think about where I was and how I felt. And the first thing that came to mind was bravery and me not knowing where I mustered up the courage to take another, you know, leap of faith on myself. Um, And to also choose to do things differently than what may have been expected of me. Um, I mean, people told me all sorts of things about who I would be and who I wouldn't be because I was a young mom and because I was, you know, a college dropout, like all these different things. Um, But no one was telling me, you can and you will if you work hard and you show up authentically. No one was telling me that. So I had to choose 
to be my own biggest advocate and to be my own validation. And I think as I look back on my life so far, that has been one of the greatest gifts I'm not only giving myself, but I'm giving my children. My oldest daughter is an artist and she is phenomenal at her craft. And she said to me last year that I inspire her to do what she loves. And we haven't had these, you know, super intense talks yet, but she's watching. So I didn't have that. So being able to give, just to lead by example for my children and to break these generational cycles that were unhealthy and toxic and to mother differently and to love differently and and to show up fully has been the most transformative thing I could have done to date. How does it feel that your daughter has chosen to be an artist in her own right? Oh, I love, I love that she has decided (laughs) to lean into her craft. And I also would love it if she decided to change her mind, whatever, whatever works for her and her life, as long as she's feeling, as long as she's staying safe and being, you know, honest and being a good person, you know, um, my husband and I, we don't care what she does, if it leaves her feeling good and confident and if it's leaving an impact on the people that she comes across mainly leaving an impact on herself and her footprint in the world that's what matters to us you just mentioned your husband as well talk to me about meeting your husband Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that thing that also happened in my 20s. (laughs) Yeah, I met my husband when I was 23, turning 24. He was in California. I was here. Um, We were long distance for a while. How did you meet him, Alex? Don't leave out the cool stuff. So I met him on Twitter, which yes. is so funny. There's hope for all of us. <laughs> I don't know if there's hope now. <laughs> Just oh, kidding. Man, do not say that. I would not meet anybody on Twitter in 2021. Um, wow. Okay. I that went from real that optimistic <laughs> to real negative real quick, woman. <laughs> No, I have to, no, I just have to be, I just, I'm just being funny. Me and my husband joke about that all the time. Like if we didn't meet back in 2013, when we met, we would not be anything. So we, we laugh about that, but no guys, keep hope alive, meet your love wherever your love finds you. No, but, um, yeah, we met on Twitter and he was actually, um, a fan of my work and, I don't know. We just, it was random. We're not, we were not expecting to, I'm sure, be married with raising kids together. But I had a trip planned to California and it just so happened that he lived 15 minutes away from my friend I was going to go visit. Um, so, of course, we met when I went out there. He actually picked me up from the airport. We had FaceTimed for months before we met and were on the phone all the time. And 
we had really just become great friends and um, the rest is history. He picked me up and I had been, we're now still together. So it is just, <laughs> it is just wild, our, our love story. Um, I don't think about it often because we're in it, you know, but like whenever people ask, I'm like, oh yeah, that definitely did happen. <laughs> so then looking back on uh, the years after, you know, meeting and marrying, when would you say in there that your career really started to go in this upward trajectory? I would say by the time my third book came out, um, I don't know what year, 2016, things really mm-hmm. started to shift. Um, and then when I started teaching in 2017, 2018, um, another shift happened. So I really found my my flow in not only wanting to be a writer, but wanting to teach other people the power behind writing, especially when it came to sharing their truth um, and healing. Did you envision as you wrote more and more as a part of your healing that it would become a career that you would actually pursue? That's a good question. When I quit my job, I had a best-selling book out and it was self-published. And I really wanted to explore writing um, for a living, but I was extremely nervous about that. But needless to say, I ended up going for it. And after I quit my job, I got my first speaking engagement at Ohio State University. And that too was another, I guess I have to rewind a bit. That too was another tick of, huh, like this is something that I really enjoy doing, sharing my story, um, but also encouraging other people to share their, to share theirs as well. So I did a lot of speaking in the beginning. I did a lot of um, writing books and speaking engagements, but the speaking engagements weren't really hitting the same. And the reason why I say that is because I don't like to be the expert of anyone else's life. I want to encourage people to be the expert of their own life. And oftentimes with speaking engagements, you know, you're talking at people and I prefer to talk with people. Mm-hmm. So when I was um, going through that shift of, okay, yes to book writing and also yes I'm not quite, yes to community and people, but I don't really want to talk at people. I want to talk with people. That was another shift that happened when I actually started teaching and being in community and in classrooms and retreats and all of that with folks. Um, So yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, but just (laughs) just thinking through that out loud, that's kind of the trajectory. No, you did. I mean, basically 2016 was the year that you both married the love of your life and your career took off. So it's really just giving me hope that this year is on my, <laughs> is on my personal personal horizon. Uh, you mentioned doing some speaking and doing uh, keynotes and whatnot. Do you recall now what some of those earlier keynotes were about? What most of them were about were just remembering your worth and standing in your power and also taking care of yourself through it all. 
when we talk about someone coming into their own power, what does that really mean? It means showing up as you are without shame and without guilt. I'm thinking about just the idea of having shame over, you know, who it is that we are as people. And I think that as someone who has a lot of people following along with her, you have probably had to do many exercises yourself working on setting aside whatever shame you may have or finding some way not to worry about the judgments of others. Talk to me about what that has looked like for you. It looks, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't look too brilliant or magical or um, I know sometimes people have like, intense answers for certain things. Um, and for me, I, I really don't. I think being able to show up without shame or guilt is an extension of our human experience and giving ourselves grace and self-forgiveness. And I've released a lot of the shame that I carry. Um, that I have carried in the past. And I noticed as I was doing some of my soul work and my therapy and my writing practices that a lot of the emotional baggage and shame and guilt that I had in my emotional suitcase is what I like to call it when I'm talking to my students was not mine to carry in the first place. Mm. So there's been a lot of unpacking and repacking what belongs and what doesn't. And because we are human, of course, we're going to have moments, we're going to have shameful moments or embarrassing moments or regretful moments. And that doesn't define us. Our missteps don't always have to define us. Our shameful moments aren't the only thing in our story that deserves to be spoken about or seen, you know? So it's, it's a really delicate balance of showing up authentically and also remembering that you might have a shameful moment. You might have something in your past that you really freaking regret, but to just take it easy on yourself. And when I learned to take it easy on myself, even when things felt really big or heavy or hard, there was some wiggle room to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I would imagine that it was probably a little bit hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel when it came to having your second child. I know you've spoken openly about the difficulties that came hand in hand with that. Uh, I'd love it if you could share a little bit about that experience and you're now rainbow baby, as you call her. <laughs> yeah. So Isla just turned three, actually, on the 24th. Happy belated. <laughs> I always ask my friends that are moms this. When your kids have a birthday, does it also feel a little bit like your day or is it just their day? 
No, it's definitely both days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. and, And for us, it's really special. We had some fertility issues. My husband had male factor infertility where in a nutshell, his sperm was low and slow is what they call it. And we just could not get pregnant. And we tried and tried for almost a year. And then we got pregnant. But that ended in a miscarriage. And we were back to square one. And we would then try another two years to conceive and nothing. So we ended up having IVF for Isla. So they had to work their magic with my egg and his low and slow sperm. And they made her her little beautiful self in a Petri dish and then inserted her into my body, which was the wildest experience. Science is so wild, but <laughs> extremely um, emotional and stretching experience for my husband and I. Like it really, the infertility itself almost just tore us apart not in divorce but like emotionally we were just like oh my god like this is so much miscarriage law and healing from loss and then still trying to get this baby and then like having to have fertility support to get her Mm. it was challenging and we were young we were very young um so of course people would like look at us kind of sideways when we walked into the fertility clinic and it was just it was odd but it taught us so much about patience so we had Isla and she was the light of our life me and her big sister and my husband and it was just amazing and awesome and we were told you know whenever you're ready you have five more embryos come back and we were planning on having another baby um the month <laughs> our little daughter our our new baby our our youngest was born i keep calling her new baby she's 16 months she's not new but our <laughs> um but our youngest daughter was born we were planning on trying again the month she was actually born so uh that was interesting getting that surprise i was on the phone with my nurse the day before talking about getting the embryos tested and making our appointments to do the IVF round again and getting all the scheduling in. And I had to call her back, I think a week later and tell her just kidding. And she was like, what's going on? Everything. Okay. And I said, Oh yeah, we're pregnant. And the team, everyone was so happy. And me and my husband were so happy because we had thought for so long that just how you make a baby the regular way wasn't going to happen for us. But the fact that it happened for us randomly, it's still laughable. Like we still talk about it. Like it happened yesterday. Like we'll look (laughs) at Maxie and be like, what are you even doing here? Like you had other plans. And it was, and that was also really beautiful because we had, it was just a celebratory moment of like, I don't know, of love and ease and alignment and that we can overcome, like we've overcome some hard things and infertility was definitely one of them. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor at Gooder. Who doesn't love cute sunglasses? Yep. 
everyone loves cute sunglasses. <laughs> Gooder has got you covered with their no bounce, no scratch, polarized styles starting at just $25. I know when I say that out loud, it sounds crazy. Like you mean to tell me that these sunglasses are all of those things and they are that low in cost. I was wearing mine on a run over the weekend with one of my closest friends. She tried them on and fell absolutely in love on the spot, ordered them the second we were done. I am personally a huge fan of their Blackout Mock G's, which are perfect for everything from picking up the pace of the track to running errands and heading to brunch. You have got to get in on the Gooder action. They have an awesome deal for you. Head on over to gooder.com slash hurdle. That's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash hurdle and use code hurdle at checkout for $10 off. Again, that is gooder.com slash hurdle. Use hurdle at checkout for $10 off today. I love that you highlighted in that recount of what happened that even the most difficult, emotionally testing thing you said, but we learned a lot of patience from this. And I think that's really important because oftentimes in the struggle, we're so focused in, you know, trying to stay afloat that we forget to take a step back and, and look at what this adversity is giving us. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. There was many of nights where it was hard. It was hard. Infertility is hard. I, it, I, that's the really, that's really the only word that I can, I can say, but being on the other side of it with these, with the double rainbow is, is wild. And we're grateful. And we know that we are truly blessed um, by our kids. Any advice for any other fellow mamas that are dealing with two babies so close in age? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe through it. Because there are some moments in here where it's like, wow, this is life. This is wild. This is intense. And we all have to come back home to our breath. Me, my husband, and the three kids. Um, So, yeah, just pace. Breathe through it. You're doing the best you can, especially in this pandemic. It's really challenging with little ones um, and not having our, you know, typical activities and things. It's, It's challenging. So I just want the parents out there to just give yourself some grace. It's okay. I want to talk to you now about building boundaries. I can safely say that boundary making, building boundaries was something that I don't even want to say like I excel at it now. Let's like not exaggerate. But it was something that I had a lot of trouble doing without feeling guilt or shame until probably the last couple of years. When someone comes to you and they say to you that kind of same sentiment that they they don't know how to put up boundaries that they're uh you know a compassionate person and they want to go out of their way to help people and in that they they neglect themselves like what do you say to them or what advice do you have to offer to someone who feels as though they're just not good at putting up boundaries practice creates ritual 
you have to practice setting boundaries. You have to practice honoring your own boundaries. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's nothing more than practice and exercising your voice, naming your needs, and being very clear about what those boundaries are for yourself and others. For you, what would you say professionally versus personal life has been a boundary that you've had to exercise that has helped you be a better you? Not overcommitting. Mm, good one. Not overcommitting is major. And I actually had an instance last week where I had to like enforce my boundary and say it actually in an email. <laughs> which was which was really interesting I don't know like if I say I can't do something I don't normally have people come back and say well can you just give me five minutes you know like people normally honor that the you know calendar is full I'm not taking on any new commitments thank you so much for your consideration Mm. you know it's it's pretty easy but this person she um she was persistent and I had to say, this sounds so amazing, but I am committed to not over committing myself in 2021. I did that a lot in 2020 yeah. and I appreciate you in advance for accepting and honoring my boundary on that. Oh, that language though, Alex, the, like, I appreciate you for accepting my boundary. It becomes a non-negotiable. Yeah. And it also, I think that gave me chills because that was so well worded. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I know that language isn't something that just like happens overnight. Like that language and like understanding the importance of your own boundaries is something that you have probably worked on for years now. Yeah. And I'm still working on it. That was really hard for me because if I would have gotten that email last year with someone really wanting some of my time, and me saying no, and then them saying, well, please, I would have, I would have just done it. So I'm still a work in progress, but I just, I just couldn't do it this time. I didn't want to do it this time. That's another thing too, is not saying yes to things that I do not really want to do. Mm. Cause I was the queen of that too. Just yes. Sure. Yes. Sign me up. Sure. Yes. And then I, the day before the event, or the workshop or the phone call, I'm dreading it because I said yes. And my husband actually had to put this in perspective for me. He goes, well, you probably should stop saying yes to things that you don't really want to do. Mm. And I say, you know, you're probably right. You are probably right. (laughs) I mean, I think what's challenging about that though, and I can totally sympathize with where you're coming from. It's because A, you want to be a people pleaser, but B, it, that lingering thought is always in the back of your mind is like, is this going to be the thing that opens the door? And obviously sometimes it's very clear that some of these things that we're saying yes to aren't going to be the thing that opens the door. But that has definitely been my own personal issue is like, what if this is the thing and I'm passing up the thing? Mm. Did you ever struggle with that? Yeah, I would say early on for sure. When I thought, that, you know, I had, I just had to do things to kind of get in people's good graces, Mm. but I don't do that anymore because it's, it's not, it's not in alignment with being in my own good graces. What brings you joy right now? My air fryer. 
<laughs> yes. I'm what are you so air frying though? What are you air frying? Everything. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> no, but really give me something specific because I'm on the fence if I need one, but you're going to tell me. You need one. Yes. It cooks chicken breast, chicken thighs in 20 minutes. Crispy, amazing goodness. Bacon, six minutes. If you eat meat, sorry for your the non-meat eaters, but I eat meat. Asparagus. I'm going to throw some veggies in there. Kale chips. Um, salmon in 12 minutes. It is so wild. I just got it clearly because I'm super pumped about it, but I've had it for maybe a month and it makes cleanup so easy. You're cooking with less oil. It's delicious, tasty food. And I love it. Like that really brings me joy, deep joy. (laughs) Yo, someone that manufactures air fryers hit up Alex because she is ready for the ad read. That is an email I will answer to. <laughs> okay. Aside from air frying, talk to me about 2021. What's on the horizon for you? Oh my goodness. I'm working on four new projects, two of which will be out in 2022. So that's exciting. I'm teaching virtually again. So I taught virtually quarterly all last year and I was able to reach over 4,000 people. So that was really amazing having the course community of folks for their journaling work online. Um, So I'll be doing that again. I just wrapped up Pathway to Peace, which is my inner child journaling course. That was the first kickoff of 2021. And the next course is called Healing Your Heart, which will start in March. And the wait list for that is open. And I'm hoping to um, also when, if it is safe to do so, um, maybe teach in person, but that of course is all contingent on the state of the world. Um, so that's what I'm doing, writing and teaching. And, um, that's it. For those that struggle to get into a regular journaling process, obviously we can definitely, see that for you, it has helped immensely for those that have struggled to get into a regular journaling process. What would you suggest to them? What tip would you offer them to get started? Guided journaling is so much easier than sitting down with a blank page. Mm. So shameless plug here. I have guided journals out that I encourage you to use. But I also have freebies on my website. You can just download some writing practices to try. Um, And if you're a newbie and you're like, journaling is really not my thing. I don't really want to sit down and answer these questions. Make a gratitude list. Every day, write down one thing you're grateful for. And by the end of the month, you'll have a list that is beautiful and meaningful and a good reminder to stay in a grateful um, space, especially when things get challenging. So journaling and writing doesn't have to be this dear diary experience. It can be a refuge and something that brings you closer to yourself and offers you more clarity about the life you have. When someone goes to your Instagram page, they see your writings. They may see snippets of your life with your family. They see that you have 
over a million followers now. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? I see a student of life. And I think a lot of folks look at people with platforms and books and everything, right? Um, that, that they or we have it all figured out. We have these answers that they haven't quite yet gotten to. And I'm here to say that we don't. That any, I don't believe in being anyone else's expert. I mentioned that earlier. And any expert will tell, will tell you that they know little to nothing, <laughs> that there's <laughs> always something more to learn, always something more to explore and to get curious about. Um, so that is how I see myself. I see myself as a student of life. And I just hope that the lessons that I'm learning along the way and that I share will resonate and settle into the hearts of those that come across it. What they may not see on Instagram is you sitting in the closet recording <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> they may not see that. Well, they might see it on my stories. People are very familiar <laughs> with my closet, actually. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Okay. I, before I ask you the final question, I'd actually love, and I've never done this before, but it just feels right in this moment because I have garnered so much inspiration and motivation from you over the last couple of years. Is there anything you feel compelled to say or to share? I feel compelled to say, do the hard thing. And I don't know what your hard thing is, but lean into it. Life is too short. It's the longest, shortest time. And if the last year hasn't shown us that, I don't know what will. So don't start tomorrow. Start today. Micro steps. Micro steps. Stop leaving yourself behind and show up. And sometimes that is the hardest thing ever to do, but you're worth it. Right now, Alex, you have an opportunity to offer that 19-year-old who was having some scary thoughts a piece of advice looking back on that hurdle moment right now. What do you tell her? Don't give up on yourself. Thank you so much for saying yes to me, <laughs> for giving me your time. I am so, and I can't say it enough, just grateful for the good that you're doing, um, aligned with you and wanting to, in whatever way I can, help as many people as possible. And I know that I am certainly uh, not the only one who who feels that way. I appreciate you. Thank you so much, Emily. This was really great. Alex, how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Where can they find your books? Give me all of the details. Okay, so Alex underscore L-E-L-L-E -L -L -E on Instagram. Uh, we'd love to have you join the community. Um, AlexL.com for book info and um, freebies for your writing practice. And my books are sold 
wherever books are sold. Um, <laughs> if you're looking for the Encourage journal that's out, it's the companion journal to my book, After the Rain. It is actually in Targets nationwide. So you can pop into a Target with your mask on safely while you're getting your toilet paper. Look in the book aisle and you will see Encourage. And the Hey Girl podcast where I am talking to some really awesome women about their stories. I love it. I am over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>